ladies and gentlemen, your host, Billy Dean Shoemate III here, and welcome to another episode of Strange Places. Today, we go to the afterlife. Or do we? What we're going to study today is the out-of-body experience, OBE, or sometimes OOBE. It's a phenomenon in which a person perceives the world from a location outside of their physical body. An OBE is a form of autoscopy, really, um, autoscopy. It's pronounced uh, many different ways, especially if you're somebody like me who has you know difficulty reading stuff. <laughs> Literally, it means seeing self. Although this term is more commonly used to refer to the pathological condition of seeing a second self or a doppelganger, however, the traditional out-of-body experience was introduced in 1943 by G.N.M. Terrell in his book Apparitions and was adopted by researchers such as Celia Green and Robert Monroe as an alternative to belief-centric labels such as astral projection or spirit walking. OBEs can be induced by traumatic brain injury, sensory deprivation, near-death experiences, disassociative and psychedelic drugs. I can't say psychedelic drugs, I guess. <laughs> psychedelic drugs. Dehydration, sleep disorders, dreaming, and electrical stimulation of the brain, among other causes. It can also be deliberately induced by some. One in ten people has had an OBE once, or more commonly, several times in their life. Psychologists and neuroscientists regard OBEs as a dissociative experiences um, occurring along different psychological and neurological factors. So it's not entirely discounted, but they do have their explanations for them. Are they real? There's spontaneous OBEs, which occur during a near sleep, near-death experiences being the most common. And this is mostly the one that we're going to study here on this episode in the most detail. But we need to study the whole phenomenon as well. There are induced OBEs. These are chemical. They could be induced by hallucinogens, uh, you know, psilocybin, ketamine, DMT, all the things that Joe Rogan loves to talk about, no matter what question he's asked. <laughs> right. Uh, mental induction. Uh, fall, basically falling asleep physically without losing awareness. The mind-awake, body-asleep state is widely suggested as a cause of OBEs, voluntary and otherwise. What people see is astral projection. Thomas Edison actually uh, used this state to tackle problems while working on his inventions, or so he said. He would rest a silver dollar on his head while sitting with a metal bucket, uh, sitting with a metal bucket in a chair. It's just true. As he drifted off, the coin would noisily fall into the bucket, resorting, uh, restoring some of his alertness, but he's still keeping him in a sleep state. Sylvan Muldoon, OBE pioneer, more simply used a forearm held perpendicular in bed as the falling object. Salvador Dali was another one, said to use a similar um, paranoia critical method to gain odd visions which inspired his paintings. Deliberately teetering between a wake and a sleep state is known to cause spontaneous trance episodes at the onset of sleep. There's a mechanical induction, which has you know, brainwave synchronization, um, by binaural beats, you know, brainwave frequencies. Um, this one's interesting. The binaural induction of a body asleep 4 hertz brainwave frequency was observed as effective, actually, by the Monroe Institute. Some authors consider uh, binaural beats to be significantly supportive of OBE initiation. But the 
you know, sensory overload, sensory deprivation. But the most common and the, the most prevalent, the most afterlifey, <laughs> are the near-death experiences. These, uh, some subjects, you know, report having had an OBE at several times of severe physical trauma, such as near drownings or major surgery. These are different than every other kind of OBE. It's different than astral projectionists during sleep. This is near-death experiences. These people explain dying. And I know that a lot of people on DNT, uh, DMT, uh, psilocybin, you know, stuff like that, they have experiences that um, they liken to death. But nothing is quite like the near-death ex experience OBE. Near-drawn, you know, near-drownings, major surgeries, near-death experiences may include subjective impressions of being outside the physical body. But the main thing is the travel is what I'm particularly interested in. Visions of deceased relatives and religious figures, transcendence of ego and spatial temporal boundaries. Typically, the experience includes such factors as a, a sense of being dead, a feeling of peace, painlessness, hearing of uh, various non-physical sounds, out-of-body experience, the tunnel experience, the sense of moving up or through a narrow passageway, encountering beings of light and godlike figures or similar entities, and then the out-of-body experience having to do with traumatic events. Those can go the other way, too. <laughs> They're not always peaceful. Now, I'm typing something right here. I want to uh, look up something in particular. Let's see. I'm interested in something. So... It occurs during a deep state of brain activity and inactivity at the same time. You're unconscious, but your brain is on overload. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a really, really strange phenomenon. And a lot of things can bring you out of your physical body. But what they're looking at here is the typical OBE that's caused by anything other than, you know, the traumatic experience is the out of self, you know, kind of thing. But what fascinates me the most is the traumatic out of body experiences, you know, the, the, the dying visions. A lot of people say this is psychological. In the fields of cognitive science and psychology, OBEs are considered dissociative experiences arising from different psychological and neurological factors that are easily explained. Scientists consider, or, you know, th that's what they say. Scientists consider the OBE to be an experience from a mental state like a dream or an altered state of consciousness with uh, recourse to the paranormal. There's a lot of study that's been done on this. <laughs> All the way back to the 1800s, there's theories about the OBE involving attentional cognitive processes, um, you know, somatic sensory activity. A cognitive personality construct known as a psychological absorption is theorized a lot. You hear that thrown around quite a bit if you really dive into it. Instances of the classification of an OBE, examples of autoscopy, uh, depersonalization, mental dissociation, and a lot of things can cause that. Type of sleep paralysis, basically. That's another very common one. Another explanation is paranormal. Writers in the fields of parapsychology and occultism have written that OBEs are not psychological and that a soul, spirit, or subtle body can detach itself out of the body and visit distant locations. 
We've all heard stories of uh, remote viewing, of people being able to astrally project and go visit somebody and then bring up the event, you know, when they're back in their body, like a day later or whatever, and that person is just freaking out because <laughs> you weren't there. You know what I mean? That's happened. Out-of-the-body experiences were known during the Victorian period in spiritualist literature, traveling clairvoyance. In old Indian scriptures, such a state of consciousness is also referred to as the Turiya, which can be—people have been talking about this for eons—which can be achieved by deep yogic and meditative activities during which a yogi may be liberated from the duality of the mind and the body, allowing them to intentionally leave the body and return back to it. This kind of stuff has been around forever. And the paranormal interpretation of -of out-of-body experiences, OBEs, I just say for the sake of time and saving my voice, (laughs) has not been supported by all researchers within the study of even parapsychology itself. Gardner Murphy in 1961 wrote that OBEs are not very far from the known terrain of general psychology, which we're beginning to understand more and more without recourse to the paranormal, and they have even more and more explanations now. 1977, a patient from Harborview Medical Center known as Maria claimed to have experiences an out-of-body, she claimed to have a, a, a legit OBE. Studying her OBE, she claimed to have floated outside of her body and outside of the hospital. She later told her social worker, Kimberly Clark, that during the OBE, she had observed a tennis shoe. This is very important. On the third floor, sorry, my microphone. On the third floor, window ledge to the north side of the building. Clark then went to the north wing of the building and looking out the window, she could see a tennis shoe on one of the ledges. This was during a study, actually, in, in April of 1977. They were doing a study on OBEs at Harborview Medical Center. And somebody identified a shoe that was not visible anywhere on one of the ledges, unless you were purposely going to look for it. Clark published the account in 1984. The story has been since used in many paranormal books as evidence that a spirit can leave the body. <clears throat> Again, in 1996... Hayden Esburn, Sean Mulligan, and Barry Beerstein visited the medical center to investigate Clark's story. They placed a tennis shoe on the same ledge and found out that it was actually visible from within the building and could have easily been observed by a patient lying in bed. They also discovered, see, we, we, we have to look at both, you know, we got to look at both sides here. We got to be objective. They also discovered that the tennis shoe was easy to observe from the outside the building, blah, 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 blah. They concluded that Maria's story merely reveals the naivete and the power of wishful thinking from OBE researchers seeking a paranormal explanation. It can, there's these stories, there's a back and forth with all of them. Astral projection. It's a paranormal interpretation of -of out-of-body experiences that assumes the existence of one or more non-physical planes of existence and an associated body beyond the physical. Commonly, such planes are called astral, etheric, or spiritual. Astral projection is often experienced as the spirit or astral body leaving the physical body to travel into the spirit world or astral plane. But like I said, you know, we're going to look at all of it. But my main thing that I want to look at here is people who were <clears throat> in you know, traumatic experiences, people who were dying, people who were having major surgeries. And some have quite lofty visions of the afterlife, and some not so much. It kind of depends on uh, how much you're willing to suspend disbelief, right? Uh, You hear stories about guys uh, and gals and horrific car accidents and stuff, and 
meeting long-lost relatives and seeing what heaven's like. And then you have guys like Bill Weiss, who claimed to have spent 23 minutes in hell itself. And him being a lifelong Christian his whole life, he went. He explained and read the book. It's fascinating. Even if you don't believe in it, it's a good story. He's, he he uh, <clears throat> said that his knowledge of Christ and his knowledge of God was purposely taken from his mind when he was sent there. And he describes these horrific things. And his out-of-body experience uh, wasn't so great. He didn't have a heart attack. He didn't have anything of like that. He just uh, claims that he just popped out of his body and went through this. Is Bill Weiss lying? Is he telling the truth? I couldn't tell you. I really couldn't. Uh, hell exists, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I, I am fully convinced. I'm not here to sell you nothing. But let's get back to biz, right? <laughs> let's look at the evidence at hand. This is a legitimate phenomenon. People will swear up and down this is how it happened. Very difficult to prove, yeah? Because, you know, when they travel into their astral bodies or they have the near-death experience and they go to some other place, right? All you have is their account of it. That's it. They don't, you know, <laughs> they don't go with a camera attached to them. You know what I mean? There is something that proves to me, and I'm going to tell you straight up right in the middle of this episode, there is something that proves to me beyond the shadow of a doubt that the out-of-body experience is legitimate, the traumatic one. I believe that with uh, certain drugs and certain uh, you know brain functions and certain things you could do to tweak and mess with the human mind, it can take you into an altered state of consciousness. I do believe that the soul can separate from the body. I'm kind of on the fence about the astral projection thing. I've seen some weird shit, and I've heard some weird shit. There was a buddy of mine that claimed to be able to do it. And he would, you know, I would challenge him. We would challenge him, all of us friends, and we were sitting around, you know, after a few beers, I might add. And we would challenge the guy to go visit a person at a certain time. And he would describe the scene when he, quote unquote, came back. And then we'd go seek out that person. He was never wrong. How? How the fuck did he do that? It was creepy. He would talk about the clothes they were wearing, what they were, you know, humming to themselves as they were walking down the hallway, what they... Weird. Fucking weird. He was never fucking wrong. But that's not what proves to me that... I'm, I'm still on the fence about the astral projection thing... I don't know how we did it, but <laughs> I'm just, uh, I, I don't i don't see enough there. The out-of-body experience, the uh, traditional out-of-body experience, the traumatic event out-of-body experience, I am fully convinced that that is real. And when we get to the end, I will tell you why. But until then, I want to dive into the facts here. Yeah, I want you to kind of develop your own opinion of this, if you don't have a solid one already. <laughs> see, in 1968... Charles Tart conducted an OBE experiment with a subject known as Miss Z for four nights in his sleep laboratory. The subject was attached to an EEG machine and a five-digit code was placed on a shelf above her bed. She did not claim to see the monitor on the first three nights, but on the fourth, she gave the number correctly. The psychologist James Alcott criticized the experiment for inadequate controls and blah, 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 blah. There are countless studies, countless, that have been done on this. And from what I've, from what I'm seeing, guys, honestly, from what I'm seeing, all these studies 
it seems like something happened. And they try to say, oh, it was the control that got fucked up or the shoe was visible or in uh, this particular study that I'm looking at right here that uh, – see, in August – this is an interesting one. In August 2007, the Blanks Lab published research in science demonstrating the uh, conflicting visual uh, – sensory input – in virtual uh, virtual reality could disrupt the spatial unity between the self and the body that this could be uh how, how do i put this this can be uh, a person can be forced to do this you you can make anybody do this this indicates that the spatial unity and body self-consciousness can be studied experimentally and is based on multisensory and cognitive processing of body information there's a lot of psychology on this but every time they do one of these studies, something happens <laughs> every single fucking time. I've looked at countless studies that they've done, and every time at the end of it, they say something got messed up or something wasn't measured correctly. I don't know, man. This seems to me like can I mean can the soul separate from the body at, at death? Obviously, I hate to be that guy, but man, you believe what you want. I don't give a shit. Right, we're all adults. <laughs> I just consider it very foolish that a person would think that there's nothing after this. You just take a dirt nap and that's it. I don't know how you can look at this entire world and not see design. It's everywhere. There's something after this, brother. There's something after this. I don't know how anybody could look at all this and not come to that conclusion. It's just beyond me. But these experiences that people are having... Is this legit? Can you have a vision of the afterlife? Can you start going to the afterlife? Are you on your way there and be brought back to live to tell the tale? Or does this only happen when the Almighty deems, no, you're gone, you're gone? <laughs> you know what I mean? Is this a state that you enter while you're dying? Or is this a state that you enter when you are, you know, <laughs> declared dead as a doornail? It's a really, really really interesting thing. Now, I want to look up uh, something in particular here, something that is interesting me. Okay, the OBE. What we're going to focus on, people have seen visions of Christ. You've read the books. You've seen the movies. 20, 26 minutes in hell, 23 minutes in hell, heaven is for real, all that stuff. Now, I do believe, and like with everything, there are people that are out there just to make a buck, you know, and have a cool story and have the book deal and the movie deal. I'm not, I, I would not be surprised if, you know, even a majority of those things is what happened. But I go back to this, man. I've, I say this on so many episodes. Ugh. And, you know, I need to kind of reiterate here. I know I've said a lot that when a when a person is telling the truth or when a person is bullshitting, you just kind of know it. But I, I need to elaborate further on that. I know I've said it a lot on this show. But what if a person truly, whether you know, due to some uh, personal conviction or some kind of mental thing or, you know, whatever, or they've lied to themselves so much that they wholeheartedly believe this and can pass a lie detector test with flying colors. All lie detector tests are, kids, is that all it proves is that you believe that this really happened to you, that this is your truth, that you actually believe that this is what occurred. That's all a lie detector test is. And we all know <laughs> that 
firsthand eyewitness testimony is the worst, <laughs> is the worst kind of testimony that you could have, especially when you're on DMT, psilocybin, or your body is on the way out because you just got in a nasty car crash, right? It's, uh, it's a little, scientifically, it's a little unreliable. But man, these stories, man, and every time they do a study, I, I'm, 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 I've looked at like over 50 of these. And I keep reading them. I'm reading one right now. There's always something weird at the end of these things, man. I, I can't explain it. People who are dying, people who are, you know, drowning, near death, heart attacks, brain tumors, car crashes. That doesn't happen to everybody. But these people wake up convinced that they were on their way to the afterlife. And how strange is it that all of their stories are pretty damn similar? Now you get the stories about the lady that said she saw Hitler and Michael Jackson and Benito Mussolini <laughs> all trapped in their own little cells in hell and, you know, stuff like that. And they made what one lady actually said that she had an OBE and she saw Michael Jackson in hell uh, being forced to dance on fire for eternity. Oh, come on. <laughs> Give me a break. If you're given a tour of that place. You're not going to get the e-ticket. You're going to be, you know, <laughs> you're going to have your own room. <clears throat> it's it's really hard to it's, it's really hard to prove, man. It's really hard to disprove. But there's something that proves it to me wholeheartedly. Let me tell you a story, okay? The audio body experience is very interesting. We love talking about it. We love wondering about it. The experiences are oddly similar. The white tunnel, you know, the meeting loved ones, the going to the good place or the bad place. There's visions of that too. People have seen visions of the devil himself greeting them as they come into this void. Uh, Bill Weiss, you know, being one of the guys who had a very unpleasant experience. And these people, is it is it evidence that they wake up with a completely new lease on life? They wake up they wake up completely different human beings. Is the vision that powerful? Can your brain cook up something that powerful? Yeah, I, I believe it can. Now, on a scientific standpoint, not a spiritual one. I think that uh, you know if what your brain does while it's you know wired up and hooked up to all this stuff, if your brain does something wacky enough, yeah, it'll change your perception quite a bit if you really believe this is what happened. But there's something that proves it to me, kids. What is this? My computer just fucking popped up something. Uh, check your HP warranty status. No, I'm in the middle of a podcast. Thank you, HP computers. I appreciate it. Let me know about my warranty. <laughs> so anyway, my grandfather, okay? A little bit of background on this guy. I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not going to make this a super long thing. Reader's Digest version. <clears throat> well, my grandpa said you could take it to the bank. He was an incredibly strong individual, physically, mentally, all the way up until he passed away a few years ago in his late 70s, sharp as a tack. Never had any kind of cognitive decline, nothing. He had his health problems, which eventually was what, you know, uh, took him from this world. I wear his ashes around my neck, actually. Uh, I have an urn necklace. I mean, he, my grandfather meant everything to me. And uh, I truly believe that I was the first person I think he ever really loved. And we had a great relationship. But what, like I said, what he said, you can take it to the bank. 
He didn't bullshit. He didn't tell tall stories. He was just one of those guys. And you all know one. <laughs> you know, somebody of his era. He just, he, that's just how he was. And um, we had gone out to, he, he, was, a, he was a large man, <laughs> uh, as we all are, males in my family, all very large men. We would go out to eat, you know, quite a bit. And he would get very sick afterwards. And, you know, he just, he couldn't figure it out until his body just kind of crashed on him. Long story short, his intestines were, had basically sprung a leak. They had a hose hooked up to him and he was ejecting bile constantly, never ending. He was so overweight that, you know, they had to do a procedure to remove a portion of his intestine. The doctor straight up told us, in the room before he was about to go, doctor straight up told us, you need to say goodbye to your grandfather. And that was really rough, man. That was rough. And he was conscious while we said goodbye to him. It was, it was a it was fucking hardest thing I've ever done, ever. Worst fucking moment of my life, man. It was awful. And then uh, <clears throat> they wheel him off. Doctor says he's got, he's, his chance is pretty much nil. He's not going to make it out of this. And... We were basically you know, straight up told to say our goodbye. So anyway, a priest comes up, you know, the, the hospital chaplain, you know, to do his thing and comfort the family and all that. I had the weirdest feeling, and this ties into it. Listen to me here, okay? Really listen to this story. I just had those weirdest, the weirdest feeling, like a tunnel vision almost. I had already become a Christian at this point. And I interrupted the pastor. I was like, where's your chapel? And he told me where it was. I was like, all right, I'll be back. I just had the strangest urge come over me. Like I, uh, the words that came out of my mouth, <clears throat> I'm not sure entirely came from me. I just felt this so strongly. I got in that little chapel thing. I got on my knees and I said, God, because <laughs> my grandfather was like basically an atheist his whole life, wanted nothing to do with God, nothing to do with Jesus, none of it, man. He had some bad experiences at a kid that put a bad taste in his mouth. That's all I'll say. Had wanted nothing to do with it. Nothing. <clears throat> his whole life. And very even down to the point of being blasphemous. So I got on my knees and I said, God, this doesn't feel right. This just this doesn't. It, something just feels off here. Listen, if you gotta take him, thy will be done. You know, I'm not gonna <laughs> tell you what to do. Thy will be done. If it's his time, it's his time. But I told God right there alone in that freaking chapel, man, I'm not fucking with you. I'm telling the truth here. I said, if you need to show this man something, you know how he is. If you need to show this man something, he's one of the most bullheaded people <laughs> who ever lived. If you got to show this guy something, do not hold back on him. I said, you know how he is. If you need to do this, if you need to show him something or tell him something or warn him about something, bring him to Jesus, you know, before it's too late. If you need to fucking scare this guy, do not hold back. Time passes. He survives the surgery, miraculously. And some weird things happened in the surgical room as well. They put my grandfather in a heavily medically induced coma. And I don't give a fuck what anybody says. This is straight from the doctors, okay? Patients in a coma appear unconscious. They do not respond to touch, sound, or pain and cannot be awakened. The brains show no sign of the normal sleep-wakefulness cycle, which means they are not dreaming. In a medically induced coma that heavy, you do not dream, underline, bold, period. 
he had an experience while he was in there. When he woke up, the first person he wanted to talk to was me. (laughs) He looked right at me. His eyes were yellow from the medication. He was out of it, man. But he was coherent enough to be pissed. Second he woke up, he looked at me and said, what the hell did you do? And I was like, what? You know, I thought he was out of it. You know, I thought he was like his brain was, you know, going nuts on him or (laughs) medication or whatever. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, what the hell did you tell him? And I got it instantly. I was like, I I told him not to hold back. You know, I, I told him, if you have to show this guy something, you know how fucking thick-headed he is, then, then do it. My grandpa goes, oh, my God. I can't believe what the hell just happened in there. He said, and he's not one of these tall tale guys. He doesn't bullshit. If you were to believe anybody on this planet, man, <laughs> that was telling the truth about an out-of-body experience, it was William Howard fucking Amos Sr., it was. You cannot dream in a coma, in a medically induced coma that heavy. He had like less than a 5% chance of survival. He was fucking dead on that slab. Cut his body open, all that fat, all that. You know, it, it was the doctor said it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. And everything just came together. <clears throat> My grandfather said he was in this place. It was dirty, it was hot, it was dingy, he could barely breathe. He said he was in some kind of a, it looked like a ruined city. And he was he was naked. And he was being chased by these other half-burned, kind of crazed, naked people. And they're saying, we're going to kill you. We're going to eat you alive. We're going to fuck you. We're going to do all you. Know, he's a horrible things are yelling at him. I'm going to fuck you in the ass. I'm going to stab your guts. And they're saying horrible shit. And <clears throat> my grandfather and his disease, you know, ridden body and as overweight as he was, he said, man, he ran for a while, not too far. And he's like, okay, I can't do this. So he reached down, he said, and he picked up like this iron kind of bar. He turned around and raised it at the guys running to him. And he said, you guys are going to take me out. I'm going to take, you know, one of you son of a bitches with me. And that's when he heard a voice. Billy, Billy, look up. And he said a hand just appeared out of nowhere. And it said, come on, take my hand. Really soothing voice. Grabbed it. That's all he remembers. William Howard Amos Sr. did not tell stories like that. <laughs> Medically induced coma, that, that does not happen. It doesn't. I am fully convinced that the out-of-body experience is real because the most reliable person I've ever met in my fucking life, a guy who worked in the aerospace industry for 36 years, who did not fuck around when it came to telling people exactly what he thought, a lifelong atheist his whole life, couldn't change his mind for shit, uh, even about the kind of underwear that he wanted to buy. Within a year's time, <laughs> most powerful Christian I've ever met in my life. The most in love with Jesus guy I've ever known. Fucking incredible. Never seen anything like that in my life. I thought that was impossible to turn this guy. It, I believe him. <laughs> I do. I believe him. I asked him where he went, and he said, I went to hell. And I was like, how do you know? What if you went to some other dimension, or what if you this or that? And my grandpa said, I, I, I just knew where I was. And I was like, man, you, you got to give me something more than that, you know. And my grandpa's like, I am. You know you, you know me. <laughs> I don't do this kind of shit. I, I don't talk about this kind of stuff. He was rattled. He was, he was terrified. Had trouble sleeping for the next few nights. It really fucked with him. He said, I just had this awareness that I was, <clears throat> that I was in hell. 
which we go back to the stories of the traumatic event OBE. Are a lot of people doing this for money? You bet your ass. <laughs> My grandfather never told a soul about this other than just a few people. And then the ones who uh, couldn't shut their fucking mouths and ended up telling other people, he would deny it up and down. I don't know where he heard that from. Probably read it from a fucking book or whatever. Oh, Grandpa, you said that happened to you. No, no, it must have been somebody else. He only told a few people and you know, didn't uh, make any kind of gain from it whatsoever. A lot of people do. And I do think a lot of the stories are are bullshit. A lot of them are. <laughs> if you hear a fucking cat meowing in the background, oh my God, that guy has a set of lungs on him. I hope I can mix that out. You hear that fucking cat? I have the door shut, man. He's like, Wah! oh my God. Doesn't say shit all day. I go to record. He goes nuts. <laughs> Is your cat, man, if you want to start a podcast, get you some soundproof goddamn doors. But anyway, <laughs> I hope you can't hear that. You might just think, uh, yeah, I'm hearing some, you know, mysterious cats out of nowhere and I'm going crazy, right? The out-of-body experience. I think there's something to it. I think it's 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 legit. I think a lot of people are just fucking crazy. And uh, I, I'm convinced. I'm convinced because of William Howard Amos Sr. That man never lied to me once. A lifelong atheist turned one hell, one hell of a tough Christian, man. Toughest nut to crack God ever had was this guy <laughs> winning him to Christ. Yeah, <laughs> this was a tough nut. And aside from that, even if I didn't have that story, a lot of these out-of-body experiences, the traumatic ones we're focusing on here. I know you could take DMT and you know all this shit. And there's different things. I you know, I, I smoked peyote one time and <laughs> that was trippy. I saw snakes everywhere, actually. It was weird. Uh, I've done mushrooms before. Yeah, I know. I used to be young and fucking stupid. But it was it, it this is different. It's similar with everybody else. Everybody, if you do DMT, if you do this, if you do that, they have varying experiences. I'm not going to get into the crap that, that just has no weight or anything to it, that the body weighs this or doesn't weigh that on the slab after death. And all oh, this shit. There's too many factors there. What we're focusing on is these people swearing up and down that they went to the afterlife and came back. Some experiences good, some not good. You may not believe it, you may not buy this at all, but uh, like I said, I'm not here to sell you on nothing. I firmly believe that the out-of-body experience is real because of my own, because it's personal to me. This, this LBE thing is personal. But even if it wasn't, if someone, you believe in insurance, right? <laughs> something that you pay every month in case something untoward happens, you don't have to pay shit or you just pay a little bit, right? It's paying something now. So when crap goes to crap, you're not screwed, right? A lot of you guys believe in insurance. And so many of you are missing the biggest insurance policy of all time, right? When everybody, there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole because I saw it. I saw it with my own two fucking eyes. I saw an atheist in a foxhole, kids. I did. No such thing. There's that little part in you at that moment of death, man. It's going to be in all of us. I fucking promise. There's going to be that moment where you stop and go, oh my God, what if they were right? Just what if they were right? And I think that alone 
even if we didn't have the tales of the out-of-body experiences and people coming back and having all these stories to share, even if we didn't have that, I think that is kind of supernatural on its own. I don't think it's a person questioning out of fear. I think it's that moment of clarity, that recognition. I'm going somewhere. This is it. I'm not dying here. I'm, I'm transitioning. And if some people are right, this is, this is going to be traumatic. Don't ignore the biggest insurance policy of all time, guys. You think you're going to die and in the dirt and all that. I respect your opinion. I really do. And I'm not going to knock you for it. I'm not going to knock you for it. Uh, I'm just convinced out-of-body experiences are, are fucking real. That's, uh, you know, we look at things scientifically here, right? We look at the evidence, we weigh things, and I give you my kind of common sense opinion. Because like I said, I've said it a million times, common sense is something that's sorely lacking in the paranormal supernatural field of study these days. Am I kind of breaking my own, you know, (laughs) way of study here by saying I don't really have actually any experience, but I believe they're real because, yeah, yeah, you didn't know William Howard Amos, but I did. And a lot of you have, you know, these experiences yourselves, too. Do you believe in the out-of-body experience? I wanted to kind of share my own personal take on it here, as well as throw a couple facts at you. We all know about the out-of-body experience. We all know the stories. What's the freakiest one you've heard? Let me know. Contact me. Go on Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com. Okay? Asylum817.com. For all things uh, Strange Places related, you'll see a button at the top of the page. Go ahead and click that. All the social media links are there. All the support links are there, as well as a link to get to our Patreon account, where you can listen to early access to episodes, get free stuff, free art, sign things at certain tiers, freaking giveaways, a podcast just for the patrons. Who does that, right? That's fucking bananas. Shout out to the patrons, by the way. The Conkle uh, I can't talk today. The Kunkle Homestead YouTube channel, Michelle, Donald, David, Kristen, the Curtis Rose Show YouTube channel. I really appreciate all you guys. I truly, truly do. You guys make this show go. Thank you. And for the rest of you, are we going to ever run out of strange places? I sincerely doubt that. Every town has a strange place. And maybe one day, we'll visit yours. <laughs>